So Hebrews 12, verse number 9. Or sorry, I'll start in verse 5. It says, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons. For what son is he whom the Lord chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and we, have, we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. All right, let us pray. Father, we thank you and praise you, God, for what you do. We pray that you watch over us, help us to serve you. I pray that you speak to us through this message. Just give us wisdom. Uh, use it to speak to the hearts of everyone here. I pray, God, that uh, while much of it will be to parents, that some of it can be used, Lord, as application in our lives as well. Uh, for those who may not be in that situation, uh, we thank you, God, for what you do. And we ask it all in your son, Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'm just going to warn everybody in advance because the children have been crying a lot tonight. It's not personal what's about to be said. It's just the passage. I, I can't help it. Uh, but it's about fathers chastening their children. So uh, the fact that the, this is not a response to the fact that the children have been very rowdy tonight. This is something that God put in the Bible long before I was on the face of the earth. So uh, I have nothing to do with that. The fact that I am going to use it as an opportunity to talk about verses in Proverbs, you can blame me for a little. But again, that's just what the context is. In fact, last week what we saw is the verse he's quoting when he says, you have forgotten, and he mentions this exhortation, you have forgotten. It's a quote from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11 and 12, where he tells us to despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither grow weary under his correction, for whom the Lord loveth he chasteneth. Uh, and so he's quoting from Proverbs chapter 3 at that point, and he uses it to make the argument. And this is what we saw last week, and I'm going to give it quick because I don't need to recap it much. Uh, he said that nobody should get upset when God chastens them. The first reason, which is the one we saw last week, is because it means you're God's child. Like God doesn't, chasten means to spank. Like if you don't understand what the word means, it means to more than just correction. Correction, and it means more than just rebuke or correction. It means a combination of the two when you use the word like chastisement. When you say correction, you mean probably just a spanking. When you, and I'll show you that in Proverbs because the two words are used separately in Proverbs. When you use a word like rebuke uh, or reproof, you mean a verbal correction. So just correction usually means a physical correction, a physical punishment. Rebuke or reproof for one of those typically refers to a verbal one. And I'll show you because it matters when we get to Proverbs. Right now it doesn't matter a lot that you understand that distinction, but when we start looking through Proverbs, you'll care about that more. But when he says chastisement, it is intended that you understand a combination of the two. It is that there is a reproof, a correction of understanding being given that is being accompanied with a physical punishment. Uh, that's what chastisement means. It means you have a physical punishment being used to enforce some reproof or correction that you need to understand. So he says when God brings some kind of punishment into your life, not just a warning from the preacher, hey, that's wrong, you shouldn't do that, not just something in the Bible that makes you feel bad when you read the verse, but an actual punishment, a chastisement into your life, then you shouldn't get upset about that, and you shouldn't let that make you get tired or upset on God or weary or fainting, because you have to understand that you're receiving that as from a father's hand. Uh, and if you didn't receive chastisement from God, like if you can go sin and just do whatever you want to, 
uh, and you can live contrary to God's word, and there's no correction whatsoever, he says that should be troubling to you. That should be something that bothers you, but not when God corrects you. He says the reason why that should bother you is because when God doesn't chasten someone, when he doesn't correct them, it means they're not his children. And that's what we tried to answer last week. Well, what does it mean to be God's children and so forth? One of the things it means to be God's children is that you get corrected by God. Uh, if the Holy Spirit of God is not dealing with you, if God's word is not convicting you, and if when those two things don't work, God is not chastening you, then God says that's an evidence that you're not his child. So first of all, you should be convicted by the word of God and the Holy Spirit. If that doesn't happen and you can continue to sin and there's nothing else, like God, there's no response from God. He doesn't give you a spanking. He doesn't do anything. Uh, and you understand, of course, spanking from God is not going to be a literal one. But when he doesn't give you some kind of physical punishment beyond the verbal correction, then what that is an indicator of is at the very least something is wrong. Uh, it could be an indicator that he's long-suffering and he's giving you a space of repentance, but at some point it becomes an indicator of the fact that you're not a child of his uh, when God just doesn't do anything. And that's what he says in the verses we just read. He says that someone who he never corrects, he never spanks them, he doesn't deal with them, uh, it's because they're bastards, they're not his children. They have no legal right to call him their father is what that means. Uh, and so because they've never accepted Christ, they're not his children. And if you want the short answer what it means to be God's child, it really just simply means that you've accepted Christ as Savior. He says, all that received him and gave, to them gave you the power to become the sons of God. Uh, so everybody is his creation because we all come forth from his creation. So we're all creatures that were created by him, but not everybody is his child. That's something that happens when we put our faith in Christ. Uh, and again, if you want a better understanding of that, go back and listen to the message from last week if you missed it. So that brings us to the point where our first point of why we shouldn't despise the correction of God, the chastisement, and so forth, is because it, you shouldn't despise it because he's your father. It means you're his child. The next point, though, is to understand that when he does it, it is for your benefit. God doesn't just chasten you because he doesn't like something. He chastens you because it's wrong. Whatever you did was wrong, and it needs to be corrected. He can't let you continue down that path anymore, so God chastens you because he wants you to turn from a destructive path or a destructive lifestyle. That's why he sends this kind of chastisement. So he makes two points in verse 9 and 10. I'm going to talk about those, and then we'll look at some other verses in the Bible that go along with this. In verse 9, uh, his po first point to help us understand this is he says, Furthermore, we have had fathers after our flesh which corrected us. So he says, every one of us had dads who corrected us in our life. And honestly, I come from a family where my parents, they may not want to admit it, but they didn't really believe in spanking children. They didn't really believe in doing a lot of like harsh correction. It was mostly just kind of, hey, you shouldn't do that kind of stuff. Now, I will give my mother this. In particular, she was good at trying to help you understand why you shouldn't do it. But my mom, as much as she wants to pretend now that she believed in spanking children, when I was growing up, she didn't. I, if she believes in it now, it's because I made her a believer out of it uh, because of the way I acted. I was that bad that I turned a mother who doesn't believe in it into a mother who does believe in it uh, because I know they were reserved for me. My brother and sister almost got none. I got quite a few. I got them from the time that I was a very small baby. Uh, because as Lori knows from a story, apparently I took a glass baby bottle and I grabbed it by the nipple and I smacked her on the nose with it. And as a child smaller than Jeremiah, somehow I was malicious and I had great depth of uh, evil in my heart and did it on purpose and did it seven times in one story and two in another. Uh, just depends on which date, what mood she's in. But uh, no, I'm joking a little bit, but some of that's true. I'm not exaggerating as much as you think I am when I say that, uh, at least not in terms of how my mom tells the story. But the point is, 
he says that most all of us, and I'm going to have to say most all of us, because some people in this world have grown up without parents. Some people have grown up without parents who correct them. But he's speaking in general, people grow up with a father who corrects them. Even if you don't have that good of a father, even if you don't have that good of a mother, in general, people grow up with some paternal or maternal figure in their life who corrects them and tries to put them on a right path. And even if that person is not your parents, normally you've had somebody, you didn't grow up all by yourself, like you, you weren't changing your own diapers, you weren't cooking your own food as a child normally, uh, somebody was taking care of you. And every one of us, because of that relationship we had with that person, we honored them, we had some degree of respect for them so that when they told us not to do something, we listened to them. And you know that everybody has people in their life who they have a little more reverence for, a little more respect because of some position they hold within their life. And it's not always their parents. I mean, honestly, my niece and nephew had more, and I don't want to hurt my brother or his wife when I say something like this, especially not with what's happened with their family. But their children, when they were younger, had more respect for me because I was harder on them uh, and because I corrected them a lot because they grew up so much around me and I took them places with me all the time that when I looked at them, uh, they would just sit, like they could, they would be at church sometime. They didn't know I was there. And I would walk into the building and they still hadn't seen me yet. And they were being wild and rowdy and all of this. And as soon as they made eye contact with me, uh, they would fall down. Like it, some, they would fall down in the chair. They would fall. They, they just knew they were in trouble and it was too late now. Uh, and so they would straighten up just like, it's like somebody flipped a switch. My children still, even though I've been much harder on them than I ever was my niece or nephew, somehow have not got to that point yet. Uh, but Josiah's going to get there soon. We'll make sure of it. <clears throat> so the point being is that all of us have people like that. Uh, in general, people are different. Like I, I compare Job to uh, Joe, not Job, sorry, Joe to being more like my mother that wherever she is, I uh, assume in the nursery, she's like my mom that when children get around her, they go crazy. They don't know how they don't know how to settle down. It's just she brings out the, the wildest side of them. Uh, in general, when children get around me, uh, I, I've had people threaten their children with me who have, I've never done a thing in the world and there's no reason to be scared of me. Uh, but I had, there was a couple I went to church with that their daughter, I guess, was picking her nose. Uh, and also there was another couple who had a son the same age who was picking his nose. And their threat to get them to stop picking their nose was they were going to tell Junior. And it's like, I've never done anything. To those kids. I've only ever been nice to those kids. I've never done anything in the world. But some people have different effects is what I'm saying. Some people are just, you naturally feel like when they speak, like, okay, I'm sorry, I, I'll listen. Some people have to work hard to earn that, rep, that reputation or that feeling with you. But regardless, we all have people we feel that way about. People who, when they come to us and they rebuke us or they say something, we take it a little more serious because we have that relationship with them. And I'm building all that because normally in a normal and a perfect world, I could have just said, all of you have a dad who corrects you, you get it. And we could have moved on. But I'm building that because not everybody has had a dad in their life that they had that relationship with to understand what he means. But what he's talking about here is that everybody in this world has somebody who when they straighten you out, you take it a little more serious because you have respect of that person, because you honor that person. Usually it's your father or your mother, but everybody has somebody, even if you don't have that relationship with a father or mother. And he says, if you would honor your mother or father and listen when they rebuke you, listen when they correct you, because you respect that position they hold in your life, why wouldn't you listen to God? Like that, that just makes so much more sense that you would listen to God than even your parents. I mean, don't get me wrong, like you should listen to parents, but God should be above anybody. Like if there's anybody you should be afraid of, anybody who you should have respect for, anybody who you should trust their opinion to correct you, it's God. 
And so that's the point actually what he's getting to in verse number nine is when he says, furthermore, we had fathers after our flesh, uh, of our flesh, which corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? So he says this, this father, our spiritual father, who you know, is our father because we're his children spiritually, because we were born again spiritually into the family of God. You know, that's part of what it means to be born again. So he is our father in a very spiritual sense. That's why we can cry, Abba, Father, when we pray to him, meaning Father, dear Father. So he says, if an earthly father, who sometimes are not good people, sometimes they're very bad, but if we would still have a little bit of respect for them because we're afraid of them, because we don't want to get in trouble, we don't want to get punished, we'll listen to them because we have some respect of them because they are the one who maybe they're not perfect, maybe they have problems, but they are the father. They are that person in our life. He says, if you would give them respect, why would you not give it to God, your heavenly father? Why would you not give it to God, your father in the spirit? If you would listen to your father in the flesh. So that's the contrast he's drawing there. Then, and he says, and live. I'll get to that because, again, the point is that this chastisement is for your, your benefit. It is to help you. God's not trying to hurt you. He's not trying to kill you. He's trying to help you live. Then in verse 10, he says, For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. So this is the verse that really, of this passage, this is the verse I really want you to make sure you understand more. He says that your earthly father chastened you according to their pleasure. And what that means is this. As a Christian father, there are a lot of things I'm going to correct my children for because God says so. God says they shouldn't lie, so I'm going to be really hard on lying. God says they shouldn't steal, so I'm going to be really hard on stealing. God says they should honor their mother and father, so I'm going to be really hard on being disrespectful or disobedient to mother or father. He says to honor authority, all those who are in authority. So I'm I'm going to be very hard on them when they're disrespectful to adults or anybody who they should have respect for, because those are heart issues that go very deep into the heart. When a child's throwing a tantrum, it means there's a problem of rebellion within the heart. That's something you should be very hard on. Uh, When a child is being disrespectful to you as a parent, that means there's a problem within the heart. So so many parents get mad because a child's too loud, because a child... And I understand, I, I get bothered by noise more than most anybody you know, because I have very sensitive hearing. Uh, and that's why, like, when there's a lot of people talking, it my, I guess my ears get overwhelmed and it cancels out and I can't hear you sometimes. Uh, but when something's really loud or high, it, it almost causes me physical damage at points. Lori will come and scream in my face and think she scared me because I jumped. But it's not that you scared me, it's that you nearly broke my eardrum and there's blood dripping out of my ear now. Uh, I understand, then, that there are some parents who are more bothered by loudness than anything. But that isn't the supreme thing you should be dealing with. I understand there are parents who get upset because the child doesn't make a good enough grade. Josiah, sit down before you get in real big trouble. It's not a good night to be acting bad. There are some parents who get more bothered by children who are rowdy, children who are loud, children who get bad grades in school, by children who break stuff or things like that. Uh, they get really upset because they break something very expensive they brought for that they purchased for them. You know, I just bought you this thing and it's really expensive. You know, Josiah will be my example since he decided to stand up. So, uh, Josiah is the world's worst for breaking pants. He's calmed down now. He hasn't done as much. Maybe it's because we have carpet in this building. Uh, but used to be in the old building, you'd buy him a pair of pants on Friday. On Sunday, he would rip the knees out of them, and it's it's done. You have to go get another pair. Uh, And it would drive you crazy. And there's a part of you as a parent, you want to deal very harshly with that. And it's normal. 
There's nothing wrong that as a parent, you have things that you're against and you deal with those. But first and foremost, when you correct a child, it shouldn't be because I really don't like that because that's nasty. Like I, there, there's certain things that I, and I'll get to these in a minute as I explain why it fits in the verse. There's certain things I'm, I don't like, and so I have rules against them because I don't like them. But when it comes to spiritual things and things of the heart, that's where the chief focus should be. Your child has an anger problem, you really need to deal with that now. You cannot wait till they're 15 years old to deal with it because it's only going to be 15 times worse. Uh, if your child has rebellion, you need to deal with it now because it's only going to get worse. Honestly, I, I'm going to say something that scientifically is going to sound controversial, but it shouldn't be. Terrible twos are not really a thing in the sense that we understand them. And I don't know how you translate that because you probably don't have a saying for it because it's something that only certain cultures believe in. The idea is that children at the age of two suddenly go through a phase where they're just going to be bad and they're going to be awful and all this and there's nothing you can do about it. That's not true. The issue is that two years old children go through a phase where their mind starts to change and they start to see the world in a different light. And if you prepare them for that, it doesn't have to be bad. You don't have to go through some really hard time in your life. It's just like teenagers. If you prepare them for that, it doesn't have to be bad. It's just that they're going through a phase where chemically, emotionally, mentally, everything is changing for them. And of course it's frustrating. You start a new job, you get frustrated. You go through a change in your life, move to a new city, have to learn a new language, all this kind of stuff. You get frustrated. Everybody gets frustrated with that. It's normal. You don't, if you don't believe that, then any of you who don't play an instrument, come up here and play us a song on the piano, uh, and you'll be frustrated uh, within the first few minutes of trying to learn how to move your fingers and all this kind of stuff. Uh, you don't believe it. If you speak another language, then go pick up the other translation mic and start translating for me in that language, and you'll be frustrated with me very fast uh, because I'm not slowing down. I'm making it really hard on Lori tonight. I'm using the full extent of her brain. But you'll be frustrated very fast because it's something new and something you're not used to. It's something hard for you. So it's normal that children are going to go through those phases. But if you will start dealing with stuff as early as you can, I'm going to show you verses in Proverbs for all of this. In fact, I probably should have saved this for when I get to it. If you deal with them and prepare children for that before they get there and start identifying the problems before you get there, then they don't have to be that bad. But if you're waiting for your child to pass two years old to start dealing with their anger problems, their rebellion, uh, their lack of respect, then when they get two years old, that's going to be like you're dealing with someone who for two years has been taught you don't have to respect anybody. If you wait till they're a teenager, you're going to deal with somebody who acts like they've been taught for 13 years they don't have to respect anybody. It's normal. If you don't deal with it, it's going to multiply and get worse. And I'm, again, I'm going to show you verses for it. I, I, right now, I'm giving you a lot of stuff that I have Bible verses for. The Bible says this very plainly, but I'm not giving them to you because I'm getting ahead of myself. So what he's saying here is that you have fathers who chasten you according to their pleasure. What that looks like is this, and I've shared this illustration a hundred times, so most of you already know some of the things that bothers me. I really don't like when my children make gross noises with their mouth. Now, that one is new to you. You probably don't know that one, uh, but it drives me crazy. That's why I don't really like chewing gum. Like, I'm not going to chasten you or rebuke you if you chew chewing gum, uh, but I don't like it because I don't like when somebody's chomping in my ear with a loud noise. You don't sit on my lap, and you don't get in my ear, so I don't care if you do it, but my children like to sit right beside my head while I'm trying to read something and until they drive me crazy. Uh, so I don't forbid chewing gum from my house. I just don't let them chew it next to me because they drive me crazy with it. Lori is the, the one who supplies it to them because she, I think she knows what it does. And so she buys it by the buckets full and gives it to them. The other one, the one that you do know, is I don't like when people blow bubbles in their milk. 
I just, I feel like it's disrespectful to do it at a table. Uh, I don't think it's necessary. I understand as a child, I did it too as a child. I understand why you do it. I just don't think it's respectful to the other people around you. So I have a strict rule on that. There's no blowing bubbles in your milk or your drinks or any of that. The reason I'm sharing that is because that's something that I deal with, that there's not a single verse in the whole Bible for it. There's not one place where God says, children, thou shalt not blow bubbles in your drinks. Uh, there's not one verse that says, children, uh, thou shalt not uh, chew bubble gum next to your father. You know, there's nothing for that. But as a father, as the provider for my home, as the one who is given leadership, God says it's normal that there's some things I chase in according to my pleasure. That I, I, This is stuff I don't like or stuff I do like. And so I enforce this or I teach this because it's natural that within my home I have a certain set of rules. That's normal. The thing is, what I have to understand and what you have to understand is that while it's normal to have parents who chase in according to their rules, those spiritual things have to take priority. And that's one of the things he's teaching us concerning the beauty of God's chastisement is God's never going to chasten you because you chewed bubble gum and you didn't like the sound of it. I will be quite hard on my children because of that. God's never going to do that. God's never going to chasten them because they blew bubbles in a drink. He's never going to chasten them because they made an annoying sound and he just really didn't like that. There's so many things they get in trouble for with me that he's never going to get in trouble with. They're never going to get in trouble with God about that. When he chastens them, it's always going to be exactly for the thing that is right. Because while making annoying noises may cause people not to like you when, they grow, when you grow up, it's not going to cause you to fall into some gross sin that's going to destroy your life. Uh, blowing bubbles in your drink, again, may cause people not want to come to your house and have a meal with you if you keep doing that at a certain point. But it's not going to cause some destructive sin that destroys your life. God is looking at those things that are within your heart that is going to destroy your life. And that's why as a father, he chastens those things. I try as a father to chasten those things, but honestly, a lot of times I chasten things that I just don't like. So you have to understand there's a difference, and that's why we have to appreciate that the chastening of God, the correction that he gives us, is not intended to simply deal with things that he just thinks that's that silly, he doesn't like that or whatever, it's annoying to him. You do a lot of annoying stuff and God doesn't punish you probably for any of it. But it's for to deal with the things that are going to destroy you. God's correction is always for your profit, is for your benefit. And he says, if you can listen to your father because you respect them, and you can listen to your father because you know that they're trying to help you, why on earth would you ever get upset with God or question God when you know that not only does he deserve much greater respect than your father, but God is 100% only correcting you for the things that you need correction for. And he's only correcting you in the places where this is harmful and you can't do this. You, start, you go down the path of lying, it's going to destroy your life. You go down the path of uh, immorality, it's going to destroy your life. You go down this rebellious path, it's going to destroy your life. He's correcting you because these things are harming you. They're harming you spiritually, emotionally, and if you keep letting it go, it'll harm you eventually physically. God cares about that because he cares about you. If you're his child, he wants to get that out of your life, and so he chastens you. Now, again, he cares about everybody. He cares about people who aren't his children, but... Just like I don't go around chastening other people's children, if I did, it'd be a lot different around here. We wouldn't have anybody in the church. Uh, they'd all get mad and leave pretty quick. Uh, I don't go around chastening other people's children. I chasten mine. It's that simple. God doesn't go around spanking other people's children, chasing other people's children, yelling at other people's children, uh, correcting other people's children. When people are open to his help or his advice, yeah, he gives it. 
but it's his children that he's trying to help them uh, with this profit that comes from correction. I had a bunch of verses concerning the, how our honor for somebody affects our willingness to receive a rebuke from them. I have several verses throughout Proverbs. Uh, I even have some in Job. I'm going to skip over those so I can get to the, the thing I, I really need to get into in the message. But I do want you to understand that God does teach that it is foolish, in Proverbs 15 and verse 5, that it is foolish to despise your father's instruction. He means that you lack wisdom within your heart. You lack the ability to take the knowledge you have and do anything useful with it if you're not willing to let somebody correct you when you're wrong, and especially your father, and especially your heavenly father in this context. He also tells us in Proverbs 13 and verse 1 that a wise son will receive his father's correction, his instruction, that he'll take it to heart and he'll apply it and he will live from that. He will, it'll help him to protect his life. Proverbs 29 and verse 19 explains something to us that this is the one that I can probably say what I need to. He says that you cannot correct a servant with words. Like you, you can't fully correct him. Or he says a servant will not be corrected with words. For though he understands you, he will not answer. And what he means is this. And this is why he's showing you that sometimes it takes more than just telling somebody, hey, you're wrong. Sometimes you have to correct them with a physical punishment, with a chastisement as well. And he says the reason for that is because a servant has so much respect for you that they're not going to argue with you. So if you're trying to reason with them, so you're going to sit down with somebody uh, who's in a position. I'm going to use somebody who, let's say, works for you, whatever. You're not going to spank them, of course. But uh, somebody who works for you, a lot of times you're not going to correct them. They're going to go on, they're going to listen to you, and they're going to go on and do whatever they want to anyways, because even though they understand what you're saying and they disagree with you, they're not going to argue with you because they value the paycheck that they're going to get. And so in this case, the chastisement is they're afraid of losing their paycheck. They're afraid of being docked their pay. They're afraid of losing their job. And so you know this because while not many people in this room are bosses, you have worked for somebody in your life and you've took a lot of stuff and you've had a lot of bosses who have no idea what they're talking about tell you something and you went ahead and let them speak and then you went and did whatever you wanted to anyways because you knew they were wrong about it. But you didn't argue with them because you know they're not going to listen and you have too much respect for the position that they have to argue with them. You may not respect them as a person, but you respect the fact that they have control over whether you have a job tomorrow or not. You respect the position that they serve in. And so because of that, at some point, you don't argue with them. Uh, I can say that I, I mean, for the most part, I've always been a supervisor or boss anywhere I worked. And honestly, one of the reasons I maybe didn't keep jobs longer than what I did in some places, mostly it's because business closed or I left. Uh, but at least one case, maybe I didn't keep a job longer because I wasn't willing to go along with whatever foolishness they said. So most people would rather have the job than be right. Uh, and so you don't argue with them. And he says that's why you, like, you can't correct somebody who's in a subservient position with you just by words. If there's not some threat that comes with it, some actual punishment that comes with it, then they're just going to listen to whatever you say and then go and do whatever they want to anyways. So like, I'm not going to try to liken this to any of your jobs. I'll say like when I worked in the factory, there were plenty of times where as a supervisor or watching one of the other supervisors, they would tell one of the workers, go do this. And they would sit there and listen to them, and they explained to them how to do it. And then as soon as they walk away, they start telling all the other workers, like, you believe him? He has no idea what he's talking about. He's so stupid, he doesn't know anything. And then they go do the wrong thing, and then the order would get sent back, and we'd have to make it all over again uh, because they didn't listen. And because they weren't afraid of losing their jobs because it didn't pay that much anyways, and you probably get better job anywhere else in the city, uh, they didn't care. 
because there was no fear of punishment. And so that's why he says when it comes to a servant, someone who is subservient to you, even if they understand you, they're not normally going to argue with you. Most people are wise enough to not bite the hand that feeds them. Uh, and so they're not going to argue with you about it. So you can't teach them without a fear of some kind of punishment. Because unless they're afraid of disobedience, telling them why they should obey is not going to have much impact normally. And so what he's teaching us in that verse is that if we genuinely respect and honor God, then he shouldn't have to threaten us with punishment. There shouldn't have to be chastisement. But in reality, there's many times where chastisement is going to be needed because words are not enough. The Bible tells you you shouldn't do that. The Bible tells you it's a sin. The Bible tells you you're going to get hurt, but we don't listen because while we respect him enough not to argue, we don't respect him enough to actually listen to what he says many times. Uh, and so that's what you see with this verse he's teaching to us concerning him and his rela our relationship to God. Now, here's where I get in some stuff. What I've said till now is stuff that's practical to anybody who's a Christian. What I'm going to get into now is stuff more about parents and children from the book of Proverbs, but it's stuff that you can learn from it for one day when you have children if you do, and also you can learn from it because it helps you to appreciate why God chastens you, that it's for your profit. So while this is mostly going to be focused on parents, it's not not for you. All right, so Proverbs chapter 23 and verse number 13. And it always seems somehow I have this big list and I never actually get to go through it because it's always toward the end of my message. So I'm going to do my best to get as much of it in as I can tonight. Proverbs 23 and verse 14, because I'm actually out of time already, it looks like. <clears throat> it says, Thou shalt beat him... Uh, all right, verse 13. Withhold not correction from thy child, for if thou beatest him with a rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. So God is saying the reason why correction, and I understand when he uses the word beat, you're thinking of child abuse, and I understand why you do that because that's what the word would normally be used for. He's talking about just a normal spanking. He's not talking about child abuse. He's not talking about uh, you know, leaving bruises and breaking bones and all this kind of stuff. He's just talking about you giving a spanking to a child. He says, if you do that, that you should do it and not be afraid that uh, not, you should not withhold that from your child. He says, because if you do that, you're going to help your child. Your child's not going to die from that, but there are plenty of other things that will grow within the heart of that child that will destroy them. The whole point of a correction like that is to drive those things out of the heart of that child, is to help the child to get rid of that that was there. And that which is there, according to Proverbs 22 and verse 15, is foolishness. He says, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. In fact, we're close. We can read it. It says, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. He says, every child within their heart comes into this world having foolishness. So foolishness is not just a lack of wisdom. Foolishness is, is an opposition to that. It's a, something that causes you to misuse the knowledge that you have. It causes you to, to doubt leadership and authority in God, and it causes you to go in a direction of pride and rebellion and all of this if you've been a part of that study we did on wisdom. He says every child comes in this world with at least a certain amount of foolishness bound inside of their heart. And he says the only way you're ever going to get it out is you have to correct them. And honestly, there has to be a punishment involved because if it's just telling them you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do that, if there's no punishments then, and I'll let you make what you want of what I mean by punishment, since I'm on the internet, I'll let you decide what to do with that. But he says there has to be some kind of punishment involved, because otherwise you will never drive out that foolishness. Just like a servant who's not going to answer back their master, uh, they'll 
take whatever. And, I mean, and I'll tell you, like even for example, when it's with spankings, if you're not doing things properly, there are children who are tough enough, they'll take a spanking and still go on and do whatever they want to do because that foolishness didn't get driven out of their heart because you just gave them a spanking, you didn't actually teach them anything. You notice that there has to be both the correction and the reproof. Uh, and I'll show you that in Proverbs 29 and verse 15. Proverbs 29 and verse number 15. <clears throat> It says, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. When the wicked are multiplied, transgressions increase, but the righteous shall see their fall. Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. So he says in verse 15 that the rod and reproof give wisdom. So he says you want to put wisdom in the heart of your child and get rid of foolishness? There are a lot of parents in this world who they get mad and they ground their children, they put them in timeout, maybe they spank them, whatever. They give some kind of punishment. But they don't teach their children why it was wrong, why you shouldn't do that. On the other hand, there's a lot of children who have been brought up in homes being taught you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that, but there's never any punishment to be afraid of. And I was on that side. And that's why like, I had an intellectual understanding of why you shouldn't lie, why you shouldn't steal, why you shouldn't do stuff, but I was not afraid of it. I honestly, you may think I'm exaggerating, but I mean this very seriously. I would let other kids in school, when they would get in trouble and they were afraid of their parents, I'd say, no problem, just tell them I did it because I wasn't afraid of my parents. So I, I would let other kids go to the principal's office and tell them I did it. I would take the fall for them because I wasn't worried about it. I, I was fine. I, I would just go to where they put you in school when you get in trouble, that classroom, and I'd go take a nap that day. Uh, and because I could sleep without putting my head on the desk, so that's all they cared about. I mean, as long as your head wasn't down, they didn't say anything to you. Uh, and just have a nice day's nap all day while I was at school. So I wasn't afraid of getting in trouble at home. I mean, uh, the kind of stuff I got spankings for and got corrected for at home was because I broke a window. Uh, that's the kind of stuff that I got spankings for. And I'll be honest with you, that's the, you don't learn anything from that. All you learn is don't break a window. Uh, and so because there was no correction, there was no teaching accompanied with the punishment. It was either a punishment for something that wasn't necessarily a moral issue, or it was a correction with no punishment to put fear in my heart. I grew up as somebody who intellectually understood why you shouldn't do stuff, but with no fear to do it. And so I still did whatever I wanted to. It wasn't until God got a hold of me that he drove that foolishness out of my heart. And I'm telling you, if you don't do that with your children, if you don't, when you punish them, also set them down and explain to them why this is wrong, why you should not do this, then the foolishness will remain in their heart. If when you punish them, you just take something away, you give some correction, whatever you do to punish your child, if you just punish them, but you don't teach them why they were punished, they will learn nothing. All they'll learn is to be afraid of you or that you're abusive or any of these things. But they will never learn why they should or shouldn't do something. They'll never actually get any profit from the correction. In fact, at that point, all you have done is abuse your child because you didn't correct them. You just hurt them. On the other side of that, if all you ever do is tell your children, don't do this, don't do that, it's not good. Look, you hurt somebody's feelings. And you're teaching them good lessons. I get that. I'm not, you should do that. It's what I just said. So if you're teaching your children, don't do that because if you hurt somebody, uh, how would you like it if somebody hurt you? It's proper. God teaches you to teach your children that way. But if you never give a correction, there's no punishment involved, then they will never fear that. And one day that will be manifest. One day you'll start to see that they know what you said, they understood it, but like a servant who's not going to answer his master back, they didn't say anything back to you, but they'll go do whatever they want to when you're not looking. 
Because they are afraid of your eyes, but they're not afraid of your punishment because you never gave it to them. And so it has to have both or else it doesn't work. Otherwise, the foolishness will remain in the heart of the child. That's why God is saying these things. Then in Proverbs 13 and verse 24, he says that he that spares the rod hateth his child. Proverbs 29 and uh, verse uh, 13 and verse 24, I believe. Yeah, Proverbs 13 and verse 24. I'm going to read it. I apologize. I'm trying to finish. It says, He that spareth the rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him be times. You know, I, I can stop on that one. I have some other verses. Maybe I can work them in the next week's message. It says, He who the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. That's from Proverbs 3. We already quoted it. Uh, Proverbs 19 and verse 18 says, Chasten thy son while there is hope, because you can spare his life. You can deliver him from the things that are going to destroy him. But he says, if you don't chasten your child, remember, chastening involves a punishment and a correction, both the rod and the reproof. It takes both to be a chastisement. He says, if you don't chasten your child, you hate them. He said, so maybe you are one of those parents, you spank your child for every little thing they do, but you're not teaching them why it's wrong. You're not setting them down, letting them gather their emotions and collect themselves and explaining to them why this was wrong. Why did you do that? You shouldn't do that. Then he says, you hate that child. The other side of that, he says, if you're the kind of parent, you never have spanked them, but you always teach them what to do. And you, again, you can put, I'm not going to tell you that it has to be spanked. It can be some other kind of correction. I'm going to get into that. But you always rebuke them. You reprove them and tell them this is right, this is wrong, but you never actually give any punishment to correct them. He says, you still hate your child. He says, if you don't learn how to put those two things together, you hate your child because you're letting something grow within their heart that's like a disease. And he says, if a doctor let cancer grow inside their patient, they hate that patient. If they're not doing something to stop it, they're not fighting to try to save the life of that person. He says, if you have some disease and a doctor has the ability to deliver that disease from you, even if it means they have to cut you and sew you back up, even if it means you have to go through some things and they don't help you, they hate you, they don't love you, they don't care about you. He says, as a parent, you have a child who's delivered in your hand that because we are sinners by nature, they have foolishness bound in their heart, and you have the ability to drive that out. If you're not doing, he says, you hate them, you don't love them. And I understand, don't take that the wrong way. It doesn't mean you despise them and you want them to be destroyed or die. It just means you don't love them the way you should. Because love and hatred are on a spectrum. And anytime you go below a certain amount, it becomes hate. Anytime you go above a certain amount, it becomes love. And so what he means is you may care about them, but you don't care about them as much as you think you do. He says, if you really truly love your child, you will put aside the fact that you don't like doing it. You'll put aside the fact that your anger makes you want to react this way. Your pride makes you want to react that way. You'll put aside the fact that you, no parent enjoys correcting their children unless they're an angry and proud person. Like I, I know why I do it, and I still hate when I have to fuss at my children or deal with them about stuff. I fussed at Josiah today because something in school, and I immediately asked God to forgive me because I got my voice louder than what I would like to when fussing at him. Uh, and so I set him down, and I explained to him and talked to him about that as well and apologized to him for being so loud. But you understand, no parent likes to yell at their children unless there's something wrong with their heart. Sometimes you have to put that aside, though, because you care about them more than how it affects you and how little you like doing those things. If you love your child, you have to put some of that aside so that you can help drive out the things that are hurting them. And that's actually the perfect stopping point because it takes us into next week's message where we talk about it being for our healing. 
Father, we thank you and praise you, God, for all that you do. Pray that you watch over us, help us to serve you, Lord. Thank you for your blessings and your goodness. I pray, God, that you would help us to trust you, that you know what's best, that, God, you better than anybody know what it means to love a child, and that, God, we can trust you, the one who loved us so much you gave yourself for us, uh, that, God, we can trust you as our Father to correct us only for our profit and to teach us how to correct those around us that we should be correcting, such as our children, for their profit as well. I pray, God, that you give wisdom in all of this and help us, Lord. We ask it in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I thank you for being here. I apologize it's longer than I meant.